Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. It's a very rare thing that I read anything on this particular podcast, but um, and usually I send people across to the Spotify website um, where uh, I get a robot to read things for me. But um, today I, I wrote um, from very early in the morning and I think it's, uh, and I, I typed it out and I sent it to Spotify I think it's also worthy of recording it here for you now. I'll do my best not to be boring with my reading. Here we go. Success without happiness is no success. It's good to be successful and wealthy from it, but if that success has come without happiness, it's not really success at all, is it? So it might be worthy of an exploration to understand why people become unhappy and how to avoid those pitfalls. You see, there's a blueprint for being happy. The first step might be to realize that you are 100% in control of the topic of happiness, your happiness. However, we start to develop habits of blaming others or for our own habit, uh, 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 develop habits of blaming others even for our own unhappiness. And once we do that, happiness becomes like a snow leopard in Nepal. Unfortunately, This is also a one-way street because the more we blame others for our unhappiness, the more unhappy we get and the more we struggle to find happiness, the more we we will struggle to find happiness. It gets harder and harder to find the more we struggle to find it because we struggle to find it and struggling to find happiness is the reason we don't find it. Again, just like the snow leopard in Nepal. It's therefore a worthy exercise to take time to write down who you blame and who you lean on for your happiness. So if it's your kids uh, make you unhappy, if it's your partner makes you unhappy, if it's the job makes you unhappy, if your boss makes you unhappy, write all those things down and realize that you are disempowering yourself, empowering them with the source of your happiness. And it might be worthwhile putting that, uh, those people and those situations through the filter of a coaching session. True happiness is a state of being that remains steadfast. It's regardless of any circumstances. Now, this is a very high spiritual state of being uh, in the world, and and many people aim for it using the same techniques they used uh, previously when they they lent on or blamed things. So then they lean on a philosophy or lean on a practice such as meditation or yoga. They, They need things to happen in order to be happy. And so there is even confusion in the Western model of how to achieve this unconditional state and this organic state of happiness. Let's just remember here that we want success, but we also want happiness at the same time. And that is absolutely, totally 100% possible, but it's not possible when we blame or lean on things for happiness. Inner wealth is that state of happiness we're talking about here. It is achievable and it is sustainable even in the darkest hours of your life. Inner wealth is sometimes tested by calamities or disasters or humbling circumstance, but those are also mechanisms to grow your inner wealth. And so the process of remaining happy, regardless of what takes place around us, is inevitably a journey. The first step on that journey is to realize that 
You are blaming or leaning on things outside yourself for your happiness, and that is not going to work. I will give you a short summary as to why leaning on things and blaming others for disrupting your happiness is a broken process, even though it may be part of your model of success. Now, this is really important. Let's reiterate that the, nobody wants to achieve success without happiness. But happiness is not the mechanism of achieving success. You can achieve success as an unhappy person. We've all seen too many people in business and in sport achieve great success in a very unhappy state of mind, blaming others and leaning on things for that happiness. When the things they lean on or the people they blame walk away, they're left bereft. They've, 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 they've lost the things that uh, they've blamed or lost the things they lean on and they fall. We can also witness the cost of such a process. When success is achieved by a person who is unhappy within themselves, the rewards of that success just don't last very long. You can witness this in a small scale when you see people come home from work to their families in an unhappy state of mind and try to gain happiness by living vicariously through the family. They blame or they lean on their children or their spouse to uh, repair the mindset that has developed during the working day of being miserable and unhappy. The result of this is conspicuous. I don't need to reiterate that. Why leaning on things and blaming people does not work to cause sustainable happiness while building success. Now, you might have from time to time heard the argument about the difference between religion and spirituality. It's a sensitive topic. But simplified, religion builds a model of behavior based on some principles of ethics that drive people to be socially and culturally safe. In contrast, spirituality tries to explain how to be in the world as a unique individual and yet do no harm. Ultimately, they are both approaching the same topic, one topic, from two polar oppositions. The language used in spirituality and religion is extremely different, but the objective of people operating as their best self and not doing harm in the world is identical. So I'm only going to talk from the spiritual point of view in order to find sustainable happiness that goes hand in hand with success, but doesn't cause it. So we must take responsibility for the way we think if we are to be in any way happy, sustainably happy, and the way we see the world around us must also be our responsibility. Sometimes this shift conflicts with the belief that have been held onto for a very long time in our brain, in our subconscious brain, and therefore the process of seeing things differently is also the process of thinking differently. There doesn't have to be a conflict. It can be quite easy, but sometimes we don't realize we think things. We don't realize that we've got beliefs. They just affect what we expect from others and expect from life, but they all come from your beliefs. So the metaphor I use here, it's, a, it's the same as watching a game of footy. And I'm talking about soccer here. You can watch this game as a team supporter, but then you're gonna have bias and hopes that your team wins the game and therefore that the referee makes judgments in your favor or that you can watch the game um, 
uh, and, and, and your team wins. So someone loses, someone wins. Well, you can watch the game um, through the eyes of a referee. The bias of a supporter is understandable. The bias of the players is understandable. They want to win. They're attached to the outcome. They're motivated to win. They will do everything they can to win. But the referee must see, see the game that's being played from an unbiased view. So there are two parts of you. The player in the game wanting success and the one wanting to be happy, the referee. And it's the referee that we focus on in order to find this state of mind so elusive called happiness. So the referee sees the whole game and sees the rules of the game and isn't attached to whether the outcome. So firstly, let's look at the, the game from the player's point of view or, or the supporter's point of view. It's pretty much the same. The players want to win and beat the competition. That ultimately will require them to be superior in performance and get, and get the luck of the game. They will want to play whatever tricks and skills they can using um, to, to, to cause the ball to get in the goal. You'll even see in American football more and more people doing the one knee thing, which is praying to God to support them as they play against an opposition in a game of footy. And that's religion. While playing, they'll try to avoid injury so that they can continue to play next time and they want to be remunerated for their performance, either in the form of an accolade woo, or in the form of financial payment. And they'll define all this as the source of happiness. So that's no different to everyday life that's filled with emotions, exploring opportunities for new jobs and doing our level best to put the ball through the goal, which may simply be to pay the bills or keep the kids at school or keep the business alive. Everybody will define those goals differently. So these players lean on each other and blame each other if things go wrong and take credit when things go right. Therefore, their state of happiness fluctuates depending on whether the ball gets in the goal or whether they did their best. And it's pretty much like going to a casino. Especially with sports teams, you know, you see sometimes the team loses to a weaker competitor because the players are all over the place in their own head. So happiness... Putting happiness into the game of success is a really, 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 really not good idea. Now let's step back a bit and watch the game as the referee. There are a bunch of players on the field, all of whom want to win. Not every one of them can win. Those players have positive and negative qualities and a referee would never lean on any of them to do their job. Whether the blue team wins or the green team wins, the referee has no investment and is therefore detached from the result of the game. If a player gets injured, the referee stops the game until they're, they're swept off the field, but, makes, but it makes no difference to the referee that one of the teams lost the best player. The referee has a home and a family, but has nothing to do with the game. There are very few supporters in the crowd for the referee. The crowd has a different agenda. Therefore, the referee recognises they're alone and they are alone and they are responsible for how they feel while being at the game. The referee will also have a trophy on their shelf they call success and they achieve the status of refereeing a very great game of footy. But their emotional engagement during the game is zero. 
they just need to remain in a steady state that kept them alert, focused, wise, and on target for the entire time. And that's pretty much what it looks like through the eyes of inner wealth. That is called happiness. In contrast to what most people think, you can be both a referee of the game of your life and a player in it. But this is where the source of happiness must come really clear. If you are the player and you are biased and want things to go your way and are leaning on others and blaming others, then your happiness will fluctuate remarkably. So let's talk about this sustainable, unconditioned, organic, permanent happiness and the blueprint for it. Firstly, you've already got it. It comes to you at birth. Secondly, stress hides it. Third, calm reveals it. Fourth, thinking clouds it. Five, judging other avoids it. Winning, six, winning doesn't change it. Losing doesn't change it is number seven. Eight, when we lose track of it, we panic and attach ourselves to something that might be the source of it. And nine, attaching to someone or something is basically the definition of a panic attack. So to achieve success with happiness, you're going to have to manage those eight things that can cause you to lose your natural happiness and do more of those things that cause that natural, powerful, sustainable happiness to be on the surface. Now that's the first five minutes of your homework and in the next five, <laughs> not really, um, it takes a while. Now, what do all the eight things that cause you to lose your natural happiness have in common? Well, they have one thing, and the one thing is emotion. What's an emotion? Well, emotions are lopsided thoughts, beliefs. A thought that is not balanced is an emotion, or at least it causes an emotion. All emotions are lopsided thoughts. So the entanglement of distractions into the world of happiness is pure emotion. The more emotional a person is, the more they are choosing to have lopsided thoughts that come from lopsided beliefs that are coming from lopsided teachings. Lopsided thoughts are your beliefs and their correlated expectations. Now, it's really important to understand what a lopsided thought is. More pain than pleasure, more happy than sad, more sad than happy, more good than bad, more right than wrong, more wrong than right, more superior than inferior, more inferior, etc., um, uh, etc. Et there is a minefield of beliefs in you. Some, some of them work for you and some don't. Most you inherited from your ancestry, your parents and theirs and their parents and their parents, etc. Some are inherited from your environment when you were exposed to up to the age of four or five. That's the time in that early period, up to four or five, when your permanent, intrinsic, and extrinsic values were created, and they'll never change. Nobody wants success without happiness. Let's be clear. A few people want happiness without success. They go all hocus-pocus and spiritual. And each of us defines success based on those early childhood values we created. Life is a funny way of organically and naturally guiding us to the values in success that we want simply by doing this. We sabotage anything that gets in the way of what we defined in our special way from those early five years of our life as success. 
a very powerful, organic and natural process called following your path. Now you might cry when a marriage breaks up or you might be disappointed when a job doesn't work or you might be disappointed when something doesn't happen and you might blame your unhappiness on the event outside of you. But this is not the wisdom we're trying to work through here. So now you have two things to consider. Happiness, which has its natural roots within you and you are in control of and does not require success or effort. And then there is success itself, which, because of your values, drives you to be or do or have something else in life. Two independent forces. And yet, how many people can say they separate them? Most people think success will make me happy and or if I'm happy, I'll be more successful. Both of which are absolutely not true. And you don't have to look far from your front door to, to, to see that that's a fact. Temporary happiness, the upper we get from a spike of success or a shot of vodka or a can of Coke or a marriage or a kiss is, is key to success. Now, let me say that again. Those spikes, those temporary happinesses motivate us, but they're temporary. And so they become addictive because they're motivating us to go for, to go for, to go for, to go for more. Now, you can easily link success in Coca-Cola, success in vodka, success in sex, success in things, because they're positive feedback loops. They keep us up when success is going down. Some of those things are band-aids or what we call substitutes, and they are absolutely a part of achieving material success in a relationship, in a family, uh, wherever. Work. So piece by piece here, we are distilling down the process of achieving success and the process of achieving sustainable happiness. And what we are being very clear to demonstrate is they follow two different roads. Success is achieved through motivation. Happiness is achieved through inspiration. Both are essential. We always want to make something of our lives that call that success, whatever it is. We always want to be happier. That's a core value. And they can function simultaneously. Let's talk a little bit more about success. As we mentioned earlier, your values that are created in the first five years of your life will determine how you define success. That's success, whether it's simply a matter of making money or building a family or climbing Mount Everest, requires that you are motivated strongly towards something that you are most interested in achieving. All motivation comes from a sense of a vacuum. There is a gap between where you are and where you would love to be and what you perceive to be and the achievement of success and all that comes with it. The bigger the gap, as long as you have some degree of self-belief and motivational psychology, the better it is. Going, going forward, the more strongly you are motivated to deal with the challenges of achieving success, the more success you'll achieve. That's the blueprint for success. And you just go on the internet and see it over and over and over and over and over and over again. As we also mentioned earlier, success does not automatically bring with it the happiness that most of us thought it would. 
The search for happiness is quite often one of the primary values that we created in the first years of our life. And nothing of the senses ever satisfies the soul. So when the soul is seeking this happiness, the soul already has the happiness, but none of the senses will ever gratify it. So therefore, we start seeking happiness, we attach it to success, and next thing you know, we've, we've really made a pickle of things. Therefore, the ambition to achieve success as a high value is also often associated with the ambition to be happy. And this is where your beliefs kick in because there are many philosophies that suggest that if you're happy, you will be successful. Or at least you can define yourself as successful because you're happy. That's called religion. When there is a promise of happiness that comes as a consequence of doing something, such as behaving in a certain way, following a certain routine, being of a certain type of person or achieving a certain type of uh, a gold, or you can immediately know that this is the bait that creates motivation and happiness that is being offered, uh, it, the happiness that's being offered within that promise is temporary. Now, all depression, frustration comes as a consequence of trying to achieve happiness as the result of doing something or achieving something. Now, the benefit of this style of stuff is motivation. Motivation is the drive and the resilience you get that gets you through the tough times and actually aims you high to achieve something successful. Nobody ever achieved anything without the grind and the grit of motivation. Now, that's a fact of life. So now you can see how easy it is to load success with so much baggage and luggage, including all your feelings and all your desire for happiness and everything, that it becomes more than just the summit of Mount Everest or achieving something in a business level or in your career. It becomes the absolute critical var variable of the entirety of your life. In other words, this individual who is highly motivated can also be be loading happiness, fulfillment, and all the other parts of life's emotional variables into the achievement of success. And then we load success with so many different variables, it becomes heavy. And when we become extremely attached to achieving that success, both in terms of the material gain and also the emotional gain, and we become attached to achieving that success, the odds of achieving success go down in a negative direction because everything that happens becomes a conflict within us. How do we go forward and how do we stay feeling good? How do we stay feeling happy? How do we stay feeling these things? And yet we've got to do another day's work. Our choices get crappy, our operating systems get crappy and the environment around us gets crappy when we attach success and happiness. Nothing reveals this more than the process of goal setting. The whole ideal of goal setting is to strip away the emotional and the baggage of beliefs that is attached to achieving things. But for many people, as soon as they strip away the emotion and the gratification of, of what they might achieve at the end of a goal, there are just dry bones of a relatively boring life just labeled on a sheet of paper to give some validation and a certain degree of motivation to get up in the morning. So it becomes really obvious to the, in the goal setting process when we strip out the baggage attached to success that very often the hopes and dreams of people who pref would prefer them not to write those goals down 
because they want to remain emotionally and happinessly ambitious about achieving doing something that will give them not only the material success but it will also build what they want is an emotional success. Going back to our earlier metaphor, the player on the field can be very emotionally loaded as long as their coach is on the sideline directing play and as long as there is a referee who is not emotionally engaged in the game, they'll have there'll be some resemblance of order. In other words, while you've got a good boss who's really strict on you, you can come to the field with your emotions. You, if you've got a partner who's really strict on you, you can come to the field with all your emotions, but they're going to have to be emotionless. They're going to have to play the role of the coach on the footy field or the referee. But the more emotionally loaded the individual becomes uh, with winning in the game of footy, for example, the more likely it is that they will make errors and they will tighten up under pressure and not play at the very best when it's most needed. They, be, they are emotionally needy. I always feel incredible pain for the individual who in the World Cup has to kick that ball in the kickoff at the end of those games where there's a draw to see who wins, but misses the goal completely. And the whole team, country, loses the World Cup because that person had emotional baggage attached to the kick. It's tough going at that level. Given that success is not a single-pointed target, but can be inclusive of quite a spectrum. Now, for example, an individual might say, I want to achieve business success, as well as have family, as well as have financial success, as well as have friends, as well as be healthy. And each one of those comes with potential to, a, to do a lean on or blame others for unhappiness and there becomes a really complex potpourri. To stay motivated, the individual must control all the positive and negative feedback that comes from all the things they want to lean on or blame for their happiness, as well as every other emotion they may be including in the outcome of their success story. These are things called expectations. If you can't manage your expectations, you can't manage your life. The other aspect of success, which is really important to understand, is that as we achieve one level of success, it gives birth to two more. If when we start a business, we make a pact with ourselves to get $100,000 profit eventually, when we achieve that, it automatically bursts into $200,000 profit expectation, plus, plus, and plus. So the ambition to achieve some level of emotional gratification from achieving success seems to be proven time and time again to be a fruitless campaign. Whatever we achieve can always be achieved better. Nobody wants less. And so rather than define success as a single outcome, it's wiser to call it life. Life itself is the ambition to be motivated to achieve success. And that success is defined only by the individual. For one person, for what one person would be considered a failure is to another person an ultimate success. What we thought would be successful when we defined it as a 20-year-old looks ridiculously small from the viewpoint of our 40-year-old self who's stripped away a lot of the disappointments and emotional baggage they were attaching to achievement. Each time we achieve something, it creates a new possibility and a new definition of success. It also reveals that we reframe what we call success for the entirety of our lives. What we can take from this is that as we mature in years, 
we experience success in all its different micro levels, we start the process of stripping away all the emotions we thought success would cause. And therefore we get left with this thing, do I really want success? The answer of course is yes, but do I really want success without all the emotional baggage that I thought it was gonna help me solve? And therefore success can, be, can become more emotionless and the goal setting process can become more powerful the more we achieve. In other words, the more we strip away the emotions, the more we realize that these, uh, this, uh, uh, the, these achievements of success are a matter of giving out, empowering us to serve more and to give more, the less emotionally gratified we need to be in our goal setting and in our success. Experience also teaches us the more we lean on others or blame others for our happiness, the more likely it is that our success will collapse because we've loaded the emotions of happiness and dependency together with success. People can reject our expectations and that becomes a real uh, Achilles heel in achievement of success. Let's talk a little bit about happiness before I close this. The one thing that religion and spiritually have totally in common is the quest for happiness. Whether you're a Christian in a church or a synagogue or a monastery in the Himalayas, you'll find one thing they all share in common, and that is gratitude. Where one of the congregation is chanting a Tibetan mantra or singing by a hymn or praying from a book, everything leads to that one state of mind, which is gratitude. They also have one thing in common about that search for gratitude, and that is it is always for something beyond ourselves. In traditional Buddhism and Zen, one is always taught to meditate or pray for the well-being of others, never for ourselves. From this it can be seen that whether we are seeking happiness sustainably or success sustainably or both, gratitude is going to be a very, very big variable in the whole shooting match. Now we can explore the differences. In motivation, we are grateful for the things that go right and not grateful for the things that go wrong. In motivation, we are trying to fix all the things that go wrong so that they don't go wrong again. We are trying to modify the behavior of the people we care about and love so that, they, uh, so that we can lean on them for happiness and be grateful for them. And we are trying to adjust the variables of things that we blame so that they go away and we can achieve what we want and say thank you. Inspiration on the hand, on the other hand, is being grateful for both the things that go right and the things that go wrong, knowing the only difference between these is our belief system and the expectations that come from it, and that the only thing we can really change to sustain happiness within ourselves is our belief system. And our belief system must eventually evolve. There is a dire conflict between the process of modifying the world so we can be grateful for it and leaving the world alone and working out where our own belief systems are out of sync with the nature of the universe and modifying our belief systems accordingly. Big difference. Here's how much we blame or lean on others to be compliant so that we can be happy. The, the most altruistic thing we can do is change the way we see things 
the most narcissistic, self-indulgent thing we can do is try to change others so that we see them with gratitude. I hope that's really clear. And it's a real big difference between religion and spirituality. My next door neighbor is a good example here, is one of the loudest leaf blowers, has one of the loudest leaf blowers available to the human race. His property is exactly five square meters of grass. In other words, five steps one way, five steps the other way, a little patch of grass is almost big enough to put a, a, a beach chair on and an umbrella. Every Saturday, he spends a minimum of one to two hours, somewhere around the time we sit down to lunch, blowing leaves around this tiny patch of grass rather than use a rake. I think the reason he does it is, is there must be dog poo in the grass or something he doesn't want to rake. I'm not sure of his consciousness around the topic, but this has been going on now for seven years and he even uses his leaf blower on the morning of Christmas to prepare the house for a family barbecue without any regard for the neighborhood. This is just a small example of motivation versus inspiration because one part of me wants to go over there and give him a verbal about his inconsiderate behavior. And the other part of me is trying to find the benefit of living next door to this noisy leaf blower man. I have a really clear motto in my life and that is to pick your fights. In other words, sometimes we make more problems trying to modify other people rather than to modify how we see them. And that's a really important thing to note. I'm really sure, in fact, I'm positive, that if I spoke to this bloke uh, about his leaf blower and the noise, he would not take it as a compliment. And I may even be, be exacerbating the problem trying to change him. So rather than feeling this disempowered and weak by not addressing this topic, I'm confronted with the idea that I can be grateful if I change my expectation of him and the noise and the leaf blower and find some way to be grateful for it. Another easy example is that I had a client who was screaming mad about the government not doing enough about global warming. As a result of global warming, in his mind, blame, and therefore blaming the government for his unhappiness, the bushfires burnt through his property and destroyed his old heritage shack. The ownership of, shack, of the shack obviously represented some level of success for him and the enjoyment of the property gave him some temporary feelings of happiness and therefore was a part for, of his gratitude for life and he was very attached. But when it burned down, so did he. So it's obvious that he was leaning on it or blaming it or depending on it for his gratitude. I tried to offer a different viewpoint of the burn down, but he was not interested. I tried to help him see it from an inspired viewpoint that he could change his beliefs, but he didn't want to. He was so invested in a community on Facebook, online, and in the, in the local community to be blaming the government for the bushfires. And his definition of success, that he had, uh, that he had to blame somebody for the burning down of his success mantra, the bush house. For weeks he walked around angrily typing on his Facebook account how much he resented and hated the government because they had not done enough about global warming and blah, 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 blah. About a year later I spoke to him and he was complaining that the regrowth and the greening of the ground and the grass growing and the trees regrowing 
was it made it really hard to get through to build his new house which was covered by the insurance from the bushfire and the government grant he got for replacing what got burned down and he was going to build a more fireproof and a safer for his family um, uh, home in the bush. Suddenly the topic of global warming and the rainforest burning down and the government incompetence had shifted to another topic which happened to be the British royalty at the time. The habit of blaming something or leaning on something for happiness is also the habit of blaming something and leaning on something for unhappiness. This is a pathway to success. That's how people rise to success at an unconscious level. And they work really hard to link success and happiness together. And therefore, they must work really hard to disconnect anything that's unhappy from their success. Many people take but they've bundled happiness and emotion and fulfillment into their success model. This clouds judgment. There's cloudy decisions and this clouds work. It clouds productivity, it clouds so much of life. In conclusion, the path of success is academic. It's a blueprint. However, once you load success with emotional baggage, your belief systems that are locked down and unchanging in some sort of religious model or family model or growth model or whatever you want to call it, the path to success becomes more tortured because the emotion that's been attached to the success makes it complicated. It's a battle within. Now contrast this with the path to true happiness, which can run parallel to the path of success which is also a blueprint. If true happiness is organic and natural, we don't have to do anything to have it. And it's not a right that's been earned through compliance or doing the right thing or behaving in the right way or achievement, then the path to true happiness must be natural as well. What sits at the border between happiness and success is emotion. And that emotion is derived by each and every individual from their own particular belief systems, which, as we said before, were created from their expectations, were created in the early years of their life, mostly inherited. But if those belief systems don't change, then the battle to achieve happiness and success will either defer to one, success without happiness, or defer to happiness without success, but they can't be run parallel. So I built Inner Wealth Technology to demonstrate that both success and all the thousands of ways that people claim you can achieve it with psychological motivation and tricks and trade that all work 100% because all you have to do with uh, success is create and be aware of the gap between what you've got and what you want and the pleasure of getting between them and so get involved with emotion and promises to yourself that aren't true and drive yourself forward and therefore have resilience as, as they claim. That's success. Happiness, on the other hand, is a completely different road. It runs parallel. It can, they can both work side by side, but success will not cause happiness. Happiness will not cause success. And the path to happiness is a spiritual one. It's actually an organic one. The path to happiness if happiness is organic, so too is the path to it. And as I've just said, what's in between is emotion. 
And therefore, managing the beliefs that cause emotion is the secret to being happy and grateful for what is and what you've got and successful and grateful for what you're going to get. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.